Hi, I'm Ela Edgar, joined by Charles Feldman, and we're here to explore trust and building trust on purpose. Today, we thought we'd talk a little bit about each of our own relationships to trust. Each person in the world has their own relationship to trust as they've learned about it and built it over time, what they learned in their families, what they learned in their communities, their churches, and so on. So we've all come to our ability to build trust in different ways. One of the things that I say quite often when I'm working with clients is that trust is a competency. That is, it is something that we can learn, we can improve, and we can practice on a regular basis. And in order to do so, we have to be aware of what we're doing. We have to do so on purpose. I'm hoping you're ready for this, Hila. Each of us are going to tell our own story of our relationship to trust and how we came to be involved in working with our clients around this particular and very important issue. If I can, I'll get started by asking you to tell your story, if I may, and then I'll talk a little bit about mine. Thanks for that invitation. I feel like I really want to give a bit of a backstory because this backstory was really important and how it shaped my life. My mom was born in Hungary in 1928. During her lifetime, she lived through a world war. She escaped from her home country during the revolution in 1956 and came to Canada to start a new life. When she arrived in Canada, she married my dad and found out that he also had a huge amount of trauma and lived experience, also growing up in Hungary, living during a war, and escaping during a revolution. There was so much trauma in both of their lives, and they never had the support that they needed to work through the trauma. Those experiences, especially for my mom, of growing up in very tumultuous times, it felt like nothing was safe. It felt like she couldn't trust her country, she couldn't trust people, and she worked really, really hard at staying safe on her own. When she and my dad were married, she found that he also was an abusive alcoholic from years and years of trauma in his life. And so even in her own home, she wasn't safe. To this day, she's very hesitant and nervous around newness. Judging and assessing, is this person safe? Can I trust them? That was the foundation of the home environment that I grew up in. My mom and dad divorced when I was three, so gratefully, that wasn't a part of my lived experience. My experience was growing up in Victoria, which is a beautiful island off the coast of British Columbia. I lived on a dead-end street where kids ran around until the streetlights turned on, and then you got your butt home for dinner. I didn't have anything to fear. I felt safe, and I trusted everyone. In looking back, though, I realize I didn't have a criteria or a way to assess what I should and shouldn't trust. There are many times in my life where I did trust with wild abandon very quickly, very willingly, very openly, and it absolutely bit me in the ass. 
In my later years, when I took my coach training, the model of trust was introduced to me. And in that moment, it changed my life. I suddenly realized that trust wasn't a moral issue and that there were very clear, easily identified, tangible ways for me to assess, build, grow trust. And even when trust was eroded or broken, I could apply this model to help take the relationship to where I needed it or wanted it to be. There was so much more choice in intention or purpose about how to build trust and how it showed up in my life. So I still trust with wild abandon. I'm just a bit more prudent at it now. Wow. <laughs> That's great. I love it. With prudence. Trust with prudence. I love that word. How about you? Tell me your story. Well, I think, and I'm going to go back to a certain point. My parents were pretty much typical, seemingly, at least on the outside, typical American, you know, Midwest, Germanic stock, if you will. Trust was a moral issue for them as well, I believe. And at the same time, unbeknownst to me as a child, both of my parents had grown up with and lived with secrets in their lives. And that was not, of course, discussed, but somehow it was in the background of everything that I think happened or many things that happened during my childhood in my family. And then at one point, things seemed to blow up and my parents separated. My mother brought my sister and I into the living room of our house. I was, I think, 15. She was 13, almost 14 and announced to us that she was leaving our father. She was taking my sister and I to Florida, where her mother and her brother lived and their families. But that was all of a sudden such a huge turnaround, I didn't even know what to do with it. I had no place to hold it, no way to hold it. At the same time, you know, it was a huge break in trust with my family, with my parents. And I think to some degree, I, I never completely recovered trust. I certainly never recovered trust in my father. And I think maybe really just towards the end of my mother's life, I began to trust and open to her in a much freer way. Move forward some years, I was working in organizations, different companies, in different roles, individual contributor, up through um, fairly high leadership roles noticed that trust seemed to be an issue. I had an intuition that the trust was at issue in a lot of the interactions that I had with people where things didn't work. Either I had damaged trust or someone else had damaged trust. I tended to want to offload all the blame onto other people and take none for myself, taking no responsibility for damaged trust. Later learned that that's really not, <laughs> not going to get anywhere. But anyway, that's another story in itself. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a different episode. But what happened actually a little bit before that, when I was in undergraduate school at the University of California, Santa Cruz, is while I was a student there, I volunteered to facilitate or mediate, actually, community disputes. I joined a community dispute resolution program there as a mediator. I got trained and was doing that. And that's all about trust. And for the first time in my life, I could see the dynamic of trust or lack of, and also begin to see how it could be repaired. 
Not that I thought about it that way, but simply that there was distrust when the mediation started, extreme distrust. And as we progressed, if it did, we got to a point where there was sufficient trust to go forward from there between the parties, whatever their next life step was. So that attuned me to this trust that I was seeing or not seeing in my work in organizations and particularly as a leader. Not that it helped me build trust so well myself. Now again, fast forward to becoming a coach and going through a coach training program and getting this model or this framework for trust that included three of the four distinctions that I wrote about in the Thin Book of Trust and recognizing that suddenly I could organize trust around a framework so that I could do it on purpose. I could also organize helping other people build it on purpose. And that's, as a coach, what I have done a lot because so many of my clients, the issues that they have are fundamentally related to trust or distrust. And so helping them see that, become aware of it, and then taking on their piece of responsibility in the relationship, just like I had to learn to take on my piece of responsibility in a relationship where trust or distrust was present and I wanted it to be a trusting relationship. So again, the model, the framework, that's kind of how I got to the point where I wrote the book that I wrote and where we are now wanting to talk about that, wanting to put this framework out there to as many people as possible because I know it works. You know it works. I want people to be able to benefit from it. Hence these podcasts, hence the book and so forth. So that's where we're at and that's what I think we're up to today. But let me ask you, in terms of the story that you told, what's your fundamental relationship? You said that your mother saw trust as a moral issue, and yet this framework kind of addresses it as something that you can do behaviorally. Building trust on purpose is a lot about the actions we take, the behaviors that we have, and being aware of which behaviors build it and which behaviors can damage it. So what do you think about that kind of distinction between trust as a moral issue and trust as a behavioral issue? It's partially how we've evolved. You think about when my parents grew up, they weren't talking about that. There wasn't coaching. There wasn't self-awareness. There was command and control. Well, from my parents, it was communism. They lived in a time where you fall in line or there's consequences. I don't think I would have done well then. It's probably a good thing I wasn't born in 1928. And I, I appreciate that we are still evolving. We are still learning and growing as human beings. And I think the point that is so important for all of us to remember is that before any role, any title, any job, any credential, we're human. And we each have our own relationship with trust. And we also get to decide and design what we want going forward. And I think that was one of the things that really struck me early on in my trust exploration of the model was I had never been asked that question. What's your relationship with trust? And even now when I ask clients or in teams or in organizations, what is your relationship with trust? They almost look at me like, what? I don't understand the question. I've never been asked that before. But as we open up space for the dialogue and conversation, 
And just as you and I shared our stories, it's like, oh, yes, now I understand what my relationship is with trust and how that's helping me build relationship, how it might be getting in the way. And again, without repeating it too often, how I can do things on purpose and with intention to create more of what I want in my life. Yeah, that's, I think, the key in a lot of ways is being able to do what we do related to trust intentionally, whether it's trusting others wisely, making choices that support us, because there are certain people in the world that we shouldn't trust. But a lot of people that we may look at through the lens of distrust, actually we could trust. And at the same time, we may need to build some boundaries in around how we trust them, how much we trust them, in what domains we trust them, as opposed to simply writing them off completely. And I think there is also, to some degree, a moral choice in terms of our own trustworthiness to, at some point, declare to ourselves and others, I want to be someone others can trust. Knowing that I'm going to make mistakes, knowing that I'm going to screw up, and sometimes I'm going to do things that they'll see as untrustworthy and they'll pull away. But recognizing also in that, that I can, like you say, go back and rebuild. I can acknowledge where I did something that harmed someone else and talk with them about it and, and apologize and change how I'm doing things. But at some point, I think it's important, it has been important in my life, I will say, to declare to myself, and again, as I said to others, I want to be trustworthy. And that, for me, is a moral choice. Everything else is behavioral from that point. Everything else has to do with my actions, what I do and what I say. It's drawing me to think about, again, the world that I grew up in and the relationship that I had where you either trusted or you didn't. You were trustworthy or you weren't. And I giggled to myself a little bit. And I don't know why this example comes to mind is like, as a human to human, you can trust me to have this conversation, but you absolutely should not trust me to fix your car. Yeah. So I might look like I know what I'm doing. Like I could put on a really good show. I probably even have tools that would be helpful to make me look like I could fix your car but absolutely do not trust me. But again, this is part of this exploration around trust. Trust also has its peaks and valleys. We are human. We're really starting to just unpack this. What's really important to remember is that trust isn't a yes or a no, or an on or an off. It's not black and white that way. And the learning and what you've shared with conversation and through the book and our community of practice conversations. I just love this unpacking and unfolding more and more about how trust shows up every single day and that the practice that we probably all had at one point around trusting by chance, a wish and a prayer isn't very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really work. <laughs> well, the funny thing is the thing that always got me when I was working in organizations and I was thinking about trust, when I was doing mediation, thinking about trust, some people, it seemed to me, were naturals. They could build trust very easily, very naturally. And other people seemed to struggle with it. And that was one of the things that I first came to wondering, how is that? Why is that? 
that some people seem to be just so good at it. And I think that, again, goes back to their own roots, their families. In some families, you learn to build trust naturally. You don't think about it too much. And I've seen situations where people who were naturals at it stumble at some point. In their cases, it was really hard for them. They couldn't figure it out. They didn't know what to do if they somehow did something that broke trust or they seemingly couldn't build trust with someone. They came across a situation where it just didn't work. That's where, again, with those folks, moving from, oh, I'm just a natural at it to, oh, yeah, okay. A real break in transparency for them where other people who grew up in a different kind of environment and had to constantly be on the lookout for untrustworthy people and damaged trust a lot. It was sort of the norm. <laughs> but again, being able to look at it and go, okay, maybe I can see here how I can change this norm through that capacity to intentionally extend trust wisely, intentionally be trustworthy. The more time that I spend with trust, exploring it while working with my clients, I can't unhear it. So many situations that people bring forward, and it seems like a transactional issue, but underneath there's either trust with others, trust with self. Even last night I had a fellow coach give me a call and she says, I really want to bounce this off of you. I'm wondering about how I'm showing up and how my behaviors are either helping or hindering building trust in this relationship. And so it's like trust goggles are on, you know, and I see it everywhere and I love it. I love it. And I think that's really what you and I want to be able to unpack in these podcasts is everyday situations where it might seem like nothing to do with trust, but it actually is. Yeah. Trust is woven into the fabric of every relationship we have. Some degree of trust or distrust. And if the relationship is going to bring both me and the other person or people joy and happiness and love, success and productivity in some way, there has to be a high degree of trust in that relationship. So we can't really afford to leave it, as you said a moment ago, leave it to chance that it's too important. It's too important to just go about doing what we do and hoping that we build trust, whether we're people who seem to be naturals or if we have struggled with it in the past. So I, I feel like our very next podcast should be about talking about this model and really bringing it to life for our listeners. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that is an important podcast to put out there so people get what we're talking about. It'll be out there so people can go and, and listen and get the full model framework language that we use. I think as we wrap up today, we really want people to remember that we each have our own relationship with trust. And our invitation is to look at your own relationship with trust and never from a place of judgment, but from a place of curiosity. How did I get here in my own relationship with trust? Knowing that chance or a wish and a prayer strategy probably isn't helping you design what you want in your life and the relationships that you want. What else do you want to add? That's pretty good, I'd say. So if you have a situation that has, you think, relates to trust in some way, please send an email to charles at insightcoaching, 
insight.com. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. And we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have an opportunity to explore your situation for other people's benefit as well as your own. So thank you, Wheela. Let's finish this one out and we will be talking again very soon. Excellent. Continue to trust on purpose.